Welcome, everyone, to the CatsCorner.com podcast, CatsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place where Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Thursday, February the 11th. I am here. I am ready to proceed. I am not a cat. <laughs> we, we're going to talk about Virginia's uh, wins on the basketball court. Um, first, they, they got by um, Pittsburgh the other day, and then obviously went... Um, Went to Georgia Tech and I thought looked pretty good and at least in the last like what eight nine minutes um, or so last ten minutes or so uh, especially so we'll talk about all of that and um, maybe talk a little bit about kind of where things are um, in terms of the big picture for UVA um, making trying to make up games or not trying to make up games ACC tournament should they play should they not just should they focus on the NCAA tournament um, we'll get into all of that. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First, up in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. How's it going, my friend? It's good to be back. I'm sure I was missed greatly. Um, it's snowing tonight, so I figured I might as well be on the podcast. What else I got to do? Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. <laughs> and up in um, Loudon, staff writer Justin Ferber is also back on the program. What's going on, my dude? Not too much. Uh, not as much snow up here, though. Um, but the weather's been crappy for a while, so... Good season for indoor sports, I guess. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and yes, the occasional Woody banter. Um, all right, so let's. Uh, I want to start with a kind of a overview. Um, we'll 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 get into the two games specifically in a second, but I kind of want to just start in a more neutral place, which is the situation as it is. Ferber got uh, his power rankings up on the site as um, as we record this. Obviously, it's Thursday night, so the power rankings are up. And I was a little bit taken aback, not necessarily at anything that, you know, any of his decisions, but just kind of how cut and dry it feels. And that is not the way I expected the season to go. And I'm and I kind of want to start with just kind of an overview. How are we feeling a little bit, you know, get into the to the feeling side of things about the ACC season? Uh, I feel like at this point, I got a pretty good idea of who Virginia is. And I don't really see anybody other than Virginia Tech that I genuinely think has either the players, um, the skill sets, or the consistency to really give them any problems. Dave, let's start with you. In, as you look across the ACC, is it really UVA and, and you know two or three other teams and a, a group for you at the top, or is UVA is there a group is there a gap right? Is there daylight between UVA and everybody else to you? I'm not sure, man. Like this year in general is just difficult, right? I mean, I think I'm even when I'm just analyzing what I think of this Virginia team versus current, you know, versus past, um, past Virginia teams, like, you know, it feels like this team's got some deficiencies. Those other teams, especially the really good ones didn't have. Um, and when I'm comparing that, like, it feels like this team maybe isn't where they are when I start looking at the other teams <laughs> this year. Like, it's just a weird year. I don't think anyone's, really great not having fans not having normal practice not having normal life is certainly affecting it um so i think all that consider you know take into account i really do feel like there's starting you know i think florida state and virginia tech are kind of hanging around the chicken coop right now but you know they both play each other um virginia plays at least florida state again so I mean, virginia's got a chance to kind of prove they're at the top of the list but to, right right now i think those three virginia's at the top with those two guys kind of knocking on the door um, just, you know, obviously Virginia Tech's beating them. But but after that, like, I feel like, I mean, I don't know if it's a huge drop-off, but it's definitely a drop-off. And then, honestly, from there t- to the bottom, I feel like those guys are all kind of bunched up. What about you, Ferber? Obviously, in your in your power rankings, you have, like, a group at the top. You were saying this last week. Um, how Did you have any sort of thought process or any sort of um... – desire or anything like that to to put uva in its own group or do you feel like that there's not separation between them and everybody else yet um i almost put them in their own group the reason i didn't is because they haven't really played any of those other teams at the top except for virginia tech who beat them so i mean they have their louisville game got canceled or the one that was supposed to happen before they'll obviously play them again at the end of the year um, they play north carolina on saturday north carolina is seven and four so they're at the bottom of that top group um, they have not played Florida State, but they play them on Monday. So obviously you can kind of put together that they're going to have a pretty pivotal week coming up. Um, 
And they, they've obviously they've handled their business on a level that a lot of those other teams in the top group haven't been able to. So, I mean, Virginia Tech lost to Syracuse, and they lost to who was the other stupid loss they had? Um, was it I Pittsburgh? Or yeah, Pitt or or something? Yeah, yeah, it was Pittsburgh. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And they almost lost to Miami the other day. Um, so in Florida State, lost to Georgia Tech and Clemson, I think. Um, so, I mean, like, I, you know, once UVA beats – if UVA goes 2-0 and this week, and this is what I said a couple of days ago, if UVA beats North Carolina and Florida State, assuming that those two games happen, I think they're in their own group. Um, and, and they would, at that point, be on their way, I think, to the regular season title because if you just look at how many games they have left, who they have to play, and then, like like Brad said, or, or Dave, I don't know who said it, Florida State and Virginia Tech play each other um, – and then obviously like Virginia Tech and Louisville stuff to play. Louisville plays North Carolina. I, I don't remember. I think they're done with Florida State, but they, those teams all play each other again in a lot of different areas of the schedule. Um, so I think that, it, you know, it's it's funny because I didn't really think about putting them in their own group um, too much, but because there just wasn't Florida State and, and Virginia Tech this week. I mean, they were idle and Florida State hasn't played in like three weeks or two weeks now. So, I mean, like, it's hard to evaluate them based on what's happened over the last two weeks because they just haven't played. Louisville's in the same boat. They're 6-3. and three. So um, I think UVA's in the pole position right now. I think Virginia Tech's schedule, I'm not saying it prohibits them from, from winning the ACC, but um, it's going to be a tough task, even though two of their tougher games that they had um, were canceled in the last few days. So they still have to go to North Carolina. They still have to play Florida State. They still have to go to Louisville. Um, I believe, or maybe that game's at home. I can't remember. Or yeah, they already played there. Um, and then obviously, like if they find a way to make up the Virginia game, which I doubt, you know, that's another tough game for them. So, you know, Virginia's not certainly, you know, far and above everybody else, but they've been the most consistent team. They've handled their business on a level that nobody else has been able to match so far. Yeah. I, I And looking at schedules, you know, it's funny because we always thought that the back end of UVA schedule was going to be, you know, the toughest. But you look at basically that, this stretch right now that they're in, right? You know, because exactly. they're supposed to play Louisville and then mm-hmm. in Florida State's coming up, North Carolina. So, Duke. so North Carolina, as it stands today, right? Carolina on Saturday, um, which I think we can all assume is actually going to happen now because one, they haven't canceled it, and two, they've moved back. Uh, uh, sorry, they changed the start time for a Tuesday night game for Carolina which you would assume means that they're going to play the weekend, or at least they expect to play. I mean, I guess, you know, positive tests could pop up. But Carolina, Florida State on Monday, then they go to Durham uh, on Saturday, um, and then they co- then they get some time off before they get a return match against C.C. State. Miami at home a week, or excuse me, several days later on that Monday. I mean, if the schedule is what it's going to be, right, if, if what we see is, is what ends up happening and they don't have any makeup games, this is a very different animal to me than the way it, you know, quote unquote, should have been because Duke is down. I don't, you know, Carolina's, you know, um, I don't think Carolina's, Carolina's probably still dangerous in the sense that like a Georgia Tech would be dangerous or a Pittsburgh would be dangerous. I think Carolina's more talented, but I don't know if Carolina has it together. And I'm really not sure what Carolina's going to be coming out of this whole weird thing that they just had. It might unite them, it might be awkward for them. Who knows, right? Like that's one of those things, especially this year. On paper, Florida State's the toughest team that they have left, and that's obviously an away game. But like Ferber said, like when's the last time that they've played a game? You know, they have not played in the month of February. Like that's kind of wild. Um, they will at least get to you know to 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 host Wake Forest on Saturday, at least as it stands now, before that happens. Um, you know, I don't want to get into like all ACC and all that kind of stuff because I think that. There's like way too many variables still left to, to sort out. Um, that could be, you know, the 2021 season. So much to sort out. Um, but I, I just feel pretty confident in I, – I feel like UVA is a team that I understand, right? They're going to have some offensive lulls. I, I think what Tony Bennett said last night about being more aggressive, that's something that really could have helped them against Pittsburgh, if you ask me. Um, you know, that's a game they win 73-66. Um, you know, they they made um, Champagne look somewhat pedestrian at times. He, he finishes with 18 points, but he's 8 of 18. Um, didn't miss his only three-pointer. Um, Hauser had a heck of a game. Um, I feel like we should have a little conversation about Sam Hauser. 
um, here in a second, just because I feel like he's he's really, really come on since the start of the season when all three of us, I think, were kind of scratching our heads about where he was. Um, Ferber, let's go back to you. Looking back at that Pittsburgh game, what were some of the things that you took away from that? Was it just basically finding a way to win a game against one of those, you know, those dudes that are just kind of nipping at your heels? Because that's that seems to be, if you look at the you know the way things are going for UVA, they're just pretty good at pulling away from teams that they probably should beat who otherwise would give other teams fits. What did you What did you think yeah, of the Pittsburgh win? Yeah, and I think that you, you sort of hit on something there too, which was, goes back to what we were just talking about with sort of tearing off the ACC. I think that UVA is better than the teams in the middle um, and probably better than most of the teams near the top, but I think that what really separates them isn't necessarily like a huge gulf in talent or something like that. It's really just consistency. And, you know, they have a system that they've been running now for so long. You know, their coach, you know, is a master of that system. He hasn't adopted it from some other coach. Um, You know, they have a philosophy that's sort of more rigid, I think, in terms of like one game to the next, you know, what to expect. They're not just like playing matchups game by game. Um, so I think that consistency and, and some more veteran players um, and a slight, you know, a, a better roster, but not like way, way better is enough. And I think the Pittsburgh game and the Georgia Tech game really uh, were examples of that where like Pitt actually played pretty well, especially on defense in the first half and and did a good job of denying UVA um like rotations that allowed them to get good looks late in the shot clock. And and I said it at halftime uh, on Twitter, you know, it really felt like UVA was sort of, they were just passing up and they, they do this at sometimes it, it happens throughout the season and it's part of their ball sharing philosophy. But a lot of times they get in this rut where they're like passing up, you know, B plus shots for what ends up being like a C minus or a D plus shot. Um, and obviously they don't know they're doing that when they're passing the shot up. But if you're watching the game, the flow of the game, you're like, man, that guy had a pretty open three and then just dribbled it to a mid range two, and then was, you know, pit recovered and then he had to pass it. And then they had to basically start the whole thing over. Um, and I thought in the second half, they were a little bit more decisive and, and just made enough plays down the stretch to win the game. But that was, that's the kind of stuff. Those are the kind of games that can be the difference between a team like UVA and a team like North Carolina or so you know, a team that's got some losses, just being able to sort of like handle your business, weather the storm and ultimately make the plays down the stretch that you need to eventually get that lead out to eight or 10 or whatever and, and put a team away. And and there was certainly a run in the second half there where it was, it clearly went from man pits hanging around to, Oh, this is over. You know, even though it ended up being a little closer at the end, um, you know, I I can't remember what their biggest lead ended up being, but there were some points in the second half there where it was pretty clear that UVA was going to handle them. I think that's a that's actually a really good tagline for UVA basketball in 2021. So and so is close. Oh look, it's over, right? Like that's just kind of what happens. Think about like early in the season, early in the ACC schedule, right? Wake Forest was up double digits. I think Georgia Tech was up double digits. Like this is what UVA does. They they sort of come out. And Walt Atens, I used like the perfect analogy about, you know, a boxer and sort of you get out and you feel what you get, what the opponent's going to do. And then you figure out, OK, this is this is how we're going to we're going to do this. And that's exactly what UVA does. Dave, last night they go down to Atlanta, a little bit of a little bit of buzz in the crowd, obviously. And you yeah. you, you is like the um, you are like the, uh, the 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 game atmosphere um summarizer in chief for the show um i feel like of all the humans i know in the world you're the person who talks about the lack of atmosphere more and i would imagine that this was somewhat normal for you in a lot of ways what what did you take away from from uva pulling away um late despite having you know turned the ball over on like 27 28 of their their possessions yeah i mean i mean last night was a game that most teams lose you know um given where you know given just how I don't want to say where they're bad, just, you know, the sloppy plays, the shot clock violations. Um, I mean, most teams, if, they, if they're playing that bad 28, 30 minutes into a ball game, it, it's hard, you know, they're going to kind of sulk and, and fall out. But and to me, that's what makes Virginia basketball. It's, you know, Justin was talking about, you know, sometimes they overshare on offense and there is like, there's, you can find positions, possessions every game where they end up passing up a better shot than they ultimately get. But I think that determination to like that commitment to do that, um, every possession, like that pays off over the course of a game. Um, 
you know, that extra pass or two early in the first half or even early in the second half that maybe leads you out of a bad shot. It also makes the defense hustle a couple more rotations. It gets them a little more tired. Because if you watched last night, to me, that's that's kind of what started happening is you know, Georgia Tech was – I thought Georgia Tech was great, very tough, very physical, very active defensively and really kind of took it to Virginia. Um, throughout most – you know, much of the game, um, I don't think UVA made any drastic changes in, you know, strategy or anything else. Obviously, I think it was just, just wearing you down, kind of like, you know, the old Nebraska offense and football just – doing what you do over and over. And eventually that one little step, you know, Hauser or Murphy hits the shot. And as we know, every, every small Virginia lead is like three times a normal lead evidently. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, to me, it's just, it's just a team. I think Justin nailed it. It's a team that, you know, whose coach is committed to his philosophies and the team buys into it. Um, obviously a new pieces this year. So I think at times you see a little more struggle than you would out of, out of a well, well oiled, um, multiple returning starter Virginia team, but the core is still there. Um, so I mean, definitely something, you know, I mean, look, I, I thought Georgia Tech had a chance to kind of take it to them. Um, but as usual, like Virginia kind of pulled it out, which it, it's becoming old hat, but I think it all goes back to, you know, being what you are, you know, for Virginia to turn it all over what 27.9% of their possessions or something and still still score outscore Georgia Tech um, says something about three-point shooting and just continuing to be persistent because you know overall if you look at the roster there's not a whole lot of guys that create their own shot so you, you've got actually you know Kihei is probably the best creator of his own shot um, but yeah so you've got to work as a tandem and I thought they just got better with that as the game went on um, once they brought Waldo in and you know they just continued to do it so I'm, honestly, if you'd asked me 10 minutes in the second half, they'd have pulled away like that. I wouldn't have put money on it, but I probably should. <laughs> you can in Virginia. Sorry. Oh, bum, 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 bum. <laughs> um, I really like to see, but you could use that to your advantage though. Like when they do like the live odds. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I get, there are probably some games where UVA would have been like, you know, you could have taking them straight up to win. You could have like won money just because, you know, when they get down eight or whatever, like Vegas is going to be like, oh, and they're going to swing the odds the other team's way. Um, and and we've seen them time and again sort of shake those starts off and, and come back and win. So there's probably some money to be made there if you live in a different state. <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast and you live in a different state. Do not use this for gambling. <laughs> yeah, do not take my advice and I will. I am not responsible. That's email true. Brad. No, do not email Brad. Uh, email Dave. Tallysite.com. Pick someone else. <laughs> Pick someone else. Oh man, that's a good that's a good title. Pick someone else. It's good. I like that. All right. Um let's talk about Sam Hauser. Um I think we've we've if folks who have listened to our show um religiously or with any consistency have heard us kind of go through a varying degrees of of uh, at first like some confusion and then borderline frustration and now obviously, you know, he's he's really come on. Um, Ferber, when you watch Sam these days, is is this what you expected to get from him? For you know, in a game where he's you know he's not he's not knocking down shots, he's not um you know he's not carrying the scoring load, but he ends up with ten boards, uh, five assists, manages to to impact the game in a variety of ways. The, the the game before that, I mean, I don't want to say he like put Champagne on on lock, but he certainly played better defense on him than I would have expected. Uh, also, while putting up twenty three points and six boards and um, whatnot, um, has he crossed the threshold with you where you feel like you can, you you know what you're going to get from him night in and night out? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, there's been enough games now to where I feel pretty comfortable saying that he's improved enough on the defensive end to where it's not. You know, I don't I don't want to when I say he's a liability on defense, I don't mean like you can't play with him on the court. It's just like you have to understand that he's not going to be able to go one on one with everybody that's a three that he's going to play. And I think over the last few weeks, you've seen him sort of not be not be so much of an outlier in terms of his one on one defense compared to his teammates. And I think that his offensive game is it just feels a little bit more consistent to me, whereas earlier in the year he was sort of coming and going. 
you know, he'd have big games. That opener, I'm looking at his his stats for the season now. Like, in the first game of the year, he was seven for nine from the field. And it was like, man, you know. And then, you know, other games like three for seven, three for 11, um, you know, seven for 14. So it's like it really just depended on the night whether you were going to get enough from him to put you over the top. And And I really feel like he is sort of the difference for this team in that, you know, when they've had these runs, he's made a lot of big shots and shots that have changed games. You think about that first Georgia Tech game. He had that big three out of the timeout. Um, there was another game where he hit a three. I can't remember what, who it was. He hit a three in the corner that was like sort of a dagger, sort of put the game away. Um, you know, he obviously was huge in the Syracuse game. But, I mean, you just look at his game-by-game output um, as well as the defensive improvement. You know, in this ACC run that they've had, I think I'm looking at his box score. He only has one game where he was in single-digit scoring, and it was Georgia Tech last night. Um, he had eight. and But he had ten rebounds and five assists. So, I mean, I, you're seeing – I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you're seeing what would I would consider, as far as the UVA player is concerned, as close as you're probably going to get to, like, an ACC player of the year sort of performance outside of having Malcolm Brogdon. Um, you know, he's got multiple 20-point games. He had a 23-point game against Pittsburgh. He had a 21-point game against Syracuse, 22 against Georgia Tech the first time. Like, He's and when you adjust for pace, which I mean, I guess not every voter has to do that if they don't want to. Um, I I think that makes what he's doing even more impressive. And his rebound numbers have been fantastic. I mean, he had he's got one, two, three, four double doubles in ACC play, Um, four double digit rebound or well, four double digit rebounding performances, three double doubles. Um, that's impressive. I mean, and, and you, you add that to an improvement on defense and some timely three-point shooting, and you've got the player that we thought we were going to get. Dave, what about you? Um, I feel like you have been someone who had high expectations for, for Hauser, um, and early returns were a little bit iffy for you. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not singling you out. I think a lot of folks were in that ballpark. But no, I, I mean, I'll yeah, just so was my I. apologies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I've gone through my apologize to Sam Hauser phase um, over the last couple <laughs> of podcast appearances. Um, now, you know, I think last night I was a little frustrated with him um, just because, I, especially when Virginia was struggling, kind of getting shots up, because I thought Alvarado did an excellent job of keeping him off the post, which to me, like, you can't let that happen if you're Hauser. Um, and I think he kind of let it happen a little too easy through, you know, parts of the game. During the run Virginia made, you know, if you, during the rewatch, um, can't remember if I watched it late last night or this morning. It's all tied in. Anyway, when I watched it back, like I think in the second half, Virginia kind of took advantage of Alvarado playing him so aggressively, and kind of that was basically, you know, he's one of the, he's probably Georgia Tech's best defender. Um, so keeping him there, I thought Virginia did a good job of spacing the floor on the backside and spacing the floor off of that. Um, to create better shots for the, for the rest of the team. But yeah, man, like I don't want to be too much of a hot take, but to me right now, like Hauser should be the leader for player of the year. Um, I think he's got a good shot just because I don't think you can make a big argument for any Carolina based player right now. Not that the ACC is on Carolina, but um, you know, the guys he's probably going against and, you know, Champagne and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, to me, I think he's the best player in the ACC. Just especially if you if you watch the games and you understand the the pace and all that stuff, um, he's almost gotten to like Joe Harris automatic for me. Like when he sh- pulls up, yeah. Like I'm I'm more surprised when he misses right now. So that kind of Kyle guy, Joe Harris, Bob. Um, he's also got like a really nice mid range game that has sort really of does, elevated yeah. his game lately. I feel like more just turnaround jumpers, little like floaters. Yeah. He's been he's been hitting a lot of those, and the same thing that frustrates me about him, which is kind of like he's just so his emotions kind of so monotone throughout the game. Um, it really, you know, I think you see like that's a benefit for him in crunch time because, I mean, he shoots big shots with as much ease as he does a shot up twenty. You know, um, I, I really, you know, we're we're lucky he's here. Like he's made some, he's a great addition to the team. Um, and like, I don't even think about his defense now. Like I, I didn't have one defensive player that 
you know, that I singled out for him last night. I just think, you know, he's not DeAndre Hunter. He's not Akil Mitchell. Um, but he's also, I'm not going to name any players. He's not, but yeah, he's, he's better than, but we've had worse um, three, four, you know, guys playing the three or four. I kind of think watching that game last night that if Virginia's going to be in a spot where, you know, they can, listen, we can debate how good Georgia Tech is or isn't. Um, to me, I, I kind of feel like that's a scrappy team. I think Ferber did a really good job of of, of um, framing this in the in the power rankings. They're a team you don't want to play, right? Yeah, I was going to say the easiest way to describe them is like ask UVA fans if they want to play them a third time. No, no chance. You know, <laughs> no. Like matter of fact, <laughs> yeah. they had been a team that they that Virginia only had to play once a season. You know, you'd you'd have taken that and run, right? Um, yeah, because you watch the first game and you're like, oh man, they they got out of that one, and then you're like, all right, they got to go to Atlanta, and then Georgia Tech got that lead last night. And you're like, man, this actually, like, we kind of should have seen this coming because they did it in Charlottesville. So, I mean, like, what would stop them from doing it here? Yeah. Um, but so I don't want to say, like, oh, you know, they're going to do this against good teams. I, I don't want to get into debate about, you know, whether Georgia Tech is or isn't good because I, I don't know right now if they're going to make the tournament and that kind of thing. But if they're going to go on the road in a place where there's actually some atmosphere and things aren't necessarily going their way, right, Huff is, you know, three of five from the floor last night. Hauser's four of seven. They, neither one of them gets to double figures scoring, right? If Virginia can find a way to win that game by eight, largely on his defense, and play four dudes 20 full minutes in the second half with one substitution, I mean, look, that's not necessarily a, a recipe that you want to replicate every game. But the fact that it's there, it's a tool in the in the toolbox, is not something I th- I would have expected to say about these guys several weeks ago. Like if when they were scoring eighty, if you told me like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna have to hold Georgia Tech to forty nine points, I'd have been like, what? Right? Oh, um, Sam Hauser's not gonna hit a three. I'd been like, what? Jay Huff's not gonna make a three in that game, and they're gonna have to hold. You know what? Like that that would have been struggle city. You know, in my opinion at the time, and now it's like, oh, well, maybe that's something they've got in them. Um, but I got to go back to Tony saying, you know, he wanted them to be aggressive, you know, throw caution to the wind, told, told, uh, dudes to just let it fly. Um, if that's going to be, listen, if that's a thing that's going to happen more often, this is going to be a fun season to watch. No, I mean, we've definitely seen Virginia offenses in the past that had, you know, a little bit too much freedom. Um, you know, I'm always remember Joe Harris coming after that Tennessee game, you know, saying essentially that like they needed to put the, the train, the trains back on the tracks. Right. Um, how do how do you how do you feel about Virginia's offense right now? Given the what we've seen from teams in in terms of you know sagging off of um, Kihei and um, and Reese, do we think that Virginia's going to play less of Beekman and Clark together? Is that more of an overreaction from having just seen them you know play a game and and not do that and win? Does that really rely on Walter Tenside being able to to kind of um, carry that load? I mean, he he played eighteen minutes. He only scored you know four points in the game. But you felt like he was the right fit for what they wanted to do, uh, Dave. Let's start with you. How, how are you feeling right now about Virginia's offense and sort of um, the 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 prospect of what's to come? I mean, it, it's been clunky at times, and you know, I think some of that is, you know, some of that's been there all year. It's just it depends on the quality of the team you're playing, right? Um, you know, the the teams they've looked the clunkiest against are the better defensive teams they played. And, you know, a lot of team, a lot of guys like, you know, Murphy and Hauser, they're seeing these teams for the first time um, in Pitt and Virginia Tech and then Georgia Tech the first time. So it's just a matter of figuring it out, I think. Um, I do feel like they haven't switched it up a lot on offense the last few games. You know, there seemed like there was a stretch there where they'd be five out and then they run some sides and then they even go some pick and roll. Um, but, you know, <laughs> after watching last year's offense, I feel okay with where this one is, you know, there's definitely more weapons. Um, But, you know, I mean, I think you've got, you know, Huff and Clark and, um, and Murphy have been consistent enough and Hauser obviously been consistent enough. Like they're producing enough points night in and night out where you really only need another guy to kind of step up. And some nights has been Beekman. Other nights has been Waldo and, you know, Morcel had a little stretch there where he was hitting everything he was taking. Um, Hopefully what we saw last night was just a blip on the radar for him. And, uh, you know, 
And then we also have to keep into account, like, I think, I think we all can agree Jay Huff's a better player when he's rested. And with Shedrick out, you know, swapping Kafaro for him doesn't really help the offense. Um, so it'll be interesting to me. Like, I was a little surprised Jay played all, all 20 minutes in the second half again last night um, because I thought Shedrick looked pretty good in the first half when he was in there. Um, but obviously working Shedrick back where he can get, whether it's five, four or five minutes in the second half for Jay, I think that will help the offense as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's – I don't want to say it's a work in progress because I feel like it's better than that. But, you know, as long as they can hit shots and, you know, if they could just – to me it feels like if they're doing anything, it's turning the ball over too much. Yeah. Which seems funny, which seems funny given what their season average is. 17 turnovers last night. Um Luckily, George Jekyll has scored a, a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, that's many. That's many, many turnovers to put that in perspective. Especially when you consider how many possessions. I don't know what the turnover rate was. Yeah. Probably bad. 27.9%. Um, if you look yeah, at not great, Bob. 17 points off of turnovers by Georgia Tech, to put that in context, I thought they turned it over a lot against Pittsburgh, and they had 12. Um, and yet Pittsburgh only scored 17 points off of those either. Maybe 17 is like their magic number for points off of turnovers. Um, we got to talk about that Jay Huff sequence, right? Where he 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 put like a lifetime's worth of frustration uh, onto the rim. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody just angry dunk harder and and more viscerally than I, that one was. Like I watched that thing that thing several times uh, in various you know mediums. the The images that moved across the wire were were just kind of incredible. Um, I don't know if um, you, you know if that's a um, if that's a thing we've we've just haven't seen as much of, and it's always. I mean, we know Jay is a is a fiery dude. Um, you know, he's got the the Jay Huff scream um, and that kind of thing. But that was just on a whole other level. And then to come down the floor and block that shot the way he did, I don't know if you guys remember the sequence, but he comes across the lane and anticipates it and times it. And um, look, I, I know. Dave and I got into a little bit of a back and forth last night because we're talking about how physical Virginia is or isn't. Um, he made the point, and rightly so, that Virginia all season long has an, has had an issue with physicality. There's no there's no debating that. I just thought for part of that game, at least to the point that we were texting about it, you know, that had not been an issue. And then he gets that huge, you know, grown ass man block at the end of the first half. Um, and I thought that in the second half, Virginia was still gritty. Yeah, sure, Georgia Tech made a pay at times. Um, you know, some tie-ups here and there, you know, some contact and whatnot. But I really thought Virginia played in this game a little bit more aggressive, um, both in terms of attacking and in terms of being a little bit more physical. And I don't know if that's something that, that's going to stick. But one thing that seems to be sticking is that Huff has, uh, has certainly he, – he has been, he's been able to channel his emotion this year. Uh, he, you know, he had that bout where he was in foul trouble like every game. Um, this game he, he ends up with three fouls, but all of them were in the second half. Um, I think he got his first one, um, you know, after the under 12. So, I mean, you know, he's in a pretty good spot that way. Um, but I just, I just wonder, and I want to get your guys' opinions on, on Huff and the season he's had. Um, I would say that he's been a little bit better than I expected. Um, you know, scoring, you know, you always expect him to be able to knock down some shots. You expect him to get some blocks. He's done more defensively than I thought um even though I had a pretty high bar for him Ferber let's start with you where do you feel like Huff season is now compared to maybe what you expected it to be yeah I mean we kind of talked about it a little bit last week but I feel like it's just like the final stage of Jay Huff like he's evolved into the the form that everybody kind of hoped he would and I think on the defensive end the biggest thing is I think they really needed him to step up in that way around especially around the rim just because look at who you're fours are right i mean last year you had mommy Dikite, um who could do a lot of those things around the rim and and sort of you know be the last line of defense sort of so to speak and and then you have jay there too and it just makes it even tougher for teams to get in there and score but now i mean you, you're sort of playing with like bigger wings at four um a lot of times and, and it's just not the same so i think that you know his evolution on that end of the floor has been huge and you mentioned the sequence last night I mean, that was huge. I think one of the most impressive things, and it's hard to do in that sequence, was the block to the teammate. 
Um, and, and I don't know if, you know, he necessarily planned it that way, but some guys just can't control their blocks and just like throw them as far as they can. And sometimes you just got to tip it to a teammate. Um, if you can do that. And I thought that was pretty impressive, but yeah, I mean, I think they really need him on both ends of the floor. And and when he's on, on offense, it seems like that's when their offense is really clicking him and Murphy, I think are the guys that, you know, maybe don't score at the same level as Hauser night in night out, but when things are clicking, then the team usually goes pretty far. Um, but yeah, I think that obviously he's a huge piece of what they're doing and they need him to keep it up um, in the, in the next few games. Cause he's definitely going to be needed against some, some teams with pretty big front courts in the next couple of games. Yeah. I mean, to me, like, you know, he's, he's having a superb senior season. Um, I mean, I, I think I've said it on the podcast, but I know I've said it on Twitter. Like to me, if there's one guy I feel bad for that he's not able to play in front of the crowd, it's it's Jay. Like, um, I mean, I, he's I can't... never really been a crowd favorite. Though. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, but it does I always felt bad for his teammates when he would come yeah, in and people too. would freak out, I mean, and I'm like, no. the dude plays yeah. two minutes a game. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we're not talking about like we're not talking about like his teammate Trey Murphy who just got out here. We're talking about Kyle Guy. <laughs> you know, he was getting bigger crowd getting bigger applause than those dudes at, right. at times, um, which is mind boggling. But it, to me, like he's just, I think he does everything better than he did. You know, he, he's obviously, he's never going to be a 300 pound seven footer, you know, um, but you know, he's strong enough for the game today. Um, if he gets to 300, and, something went terribly wrong. Yeah. <laughs> he's not going to be Shaq, you know, um, but or terribly yeah, right. It still surprises me. <laughs> yeah, or <laughs> it still surprises me when I look at his points per game average because to me it feels like he scores twenty every night. And then when he hit, what is his career high is just over twenty, yeah, right? He's, he's only did, done yeah. it once. Yeah. Like that was mind-boggling to me because to me it feels like he's had games where he came in and hit five or six threes and you know dunked on people, especially like out of conference games a couple of years ago. Um, but it's just you know. I think it's just because when he does it, it's so unusual to see a seven footer like do that. Um, at least the team I root for, but yeah, he's, I think he, he's become a superb player. He's going to be, you know, a tough one to replace when he's gone. Cause guys like that don't grow on trees. Um, but yeah, that dunk you were talking about, like he's really an underrated dunker. Yeah. The kid, the, the, he's also got, he's got a little spice to him too. Like, you know, like, you think like, oh, tall, you know, long white kid, you know, is he really going to, you know, yeah. but like that, he, that, that one last night, he, he I mean the twist and the power behind it, like that was an impressive dunk. I mean, the only thing would have been better yeah, if he had caught a body on it. You know what I'm saying? Like if he had dunked on Moses Wright's head, man, Moses Wright is going to be so happy to not have to play against Jay Huff the rest of the season. <laughs> I feel no bad joke. for Moses Wright because every time I watch Moses Wright, he is like, he's like a man child, you know, amongst boys and he gets against Huff and it's like, you know, he had that one, I mean, Huff pinned him at one point. Um, in the first yeah. half, like, you know, like that's a, you know, that's a, that's a big deal. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he's got uncanny, but uncanny ability to kind of adjust his body in the air for a guy that big to get clean blocks. Um, he still draws some, you know, some fouls he shouldn't draw. Um, you know, a lot of that's gotten better, which is weird. That's gotten better with him playing more minutes recently. Um, just kind of counterintuitive, but yeah, he's, he's having a great year and you know, at times I, there, there's some games where he, you know, I wish he'd shoot more, but, you know, I think he, he's just fun to watch it. I, I would like to get him a little more rest in the second half, but if he can be productive the whole half, maybe he doesn't need it. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're, I think ideally what they would like is to be able to get Shedrick some minutes in the first half and Shedrick some minutes in the second half. You know, it's going to probably be another week or so before Shedrick is, you know, at a place physically where you know that makes a little sense um you know you know he had a what a two trillion last night um in in his limited action I, I kind of think though that one of the tricks for this team is being able to get Shedrick to a place where you know when they want to go to somebody else or they have to because of foul trouble that it's not poppy um there are a handful of teams that he's going to I mean Carolina is probably the one that makes the most sense right like poppy's probably going to play a good amount of minutes this weekend um but realistically like think about this thing going forward like you want Shedrick I mean Shedrick's actually a better fit for the pack line in a lot of ways than than Huff is but one thing before we move off of Huff I want to mention is like I, I we we 
you know, anybody who, like I said earlier, you know, if you listen to this podcast with any consistency, I mean, we, we talked earlier, like, hey, everybody needs to kind of be careful, you know, with, with this 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 hype with him a couple years ago to, you know, to, to the point you guys made earlier about, you know, the, the fans getting all excited and stuff and the unicorn and stuff like that was, you know, for a lot of people, it's a lot of fun. But also, too, like you get you get these folks who will be like, oh, I think he's going to go pro like as a as a freshman. You're like, OK, I mean, a retro freshman, like, wait a minute, like. You know, I don't know if that's realistic, but he's at that place now where not only has he earned a lot of what's coming his way, whether it's ACC defensive player of the year, all ACC, if he gets in the conversation for ACC player of the year. Um, but he's also like the nicest dude. Like, I don't know if we talk enough about that. Um, like, he's not just a good basketball player. He off the court. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter if they just won or they just lost and it was terrible. Like Jay Huff always gives really honest quotes. He's not, he, he doesn't, um, no matter what the hype is around him, he never seems to believe it. Like he, he's a really, um, engaging interview. And I realize that like, there's a thing where media people are like, Oh, but this guy's a good interview. So we should all give him some slack. That's not necessarily what I'm saying. I'm saying that like, this is something to appreciate because he's the last part of that, that class. Right. And he has for years now been exactly who he is right now. Um, and I think that that's, you know, that's commendable, you know, as, as he has grown and matured on the floor, I feel like off the floor, he's been, um, every bit as good. And I just, I just wanted to mention it because it, it doesn't get, we don't talk about it enough. Like, you know, I remember Kihei Clark talking about the past Mamadi and he just was like, well, I mean, I just looked up and threw the ball. Like he just thought it was like, <laughs> he kind of thought it was like kind of ridiculous that we were all asking him over and over again. Like what was going through your mind, you know, like trying to find some color to it. And so last night after the game, he's doing his post game interview sitting there and they ask him some question. He just like the same dude he was then, you know, before the national championship, you know, right after the national championship and even now, like, I think there's something to be said for that. And I just feel like I wanted to mention it. All right, let's see. All right. So let's, let's do some, um, um, we hadn't done this in a while. Stock up, stock down. We hadn't done anything like this. And I'm springing it on them without telling them that it's coming because I just came up with it, um, which is a heck of a way to prepare for a podcast, guys. Um, all right. Game stock is our game stop is down. Yeah, we're not. Um, no, we're not doing the. <laughs> no, we're not. Bitcoin doing up. No, oh gosh. <laughs> all right. Carolina game. Uh, do we think they play it? Yes or no? I'm going to say yes. What do you guys think? Yes or no? Is this how stocks work? No, it was just a it was the name of a segment. It wasn't necessarily like which stocks are up. <laughs> That'll be later. It's kind of like when we do prop bets, where some of them aren't actually prop bets. Uh, but yeah, I'll say I'll say that North Carolina gets game gets played. My gosh, of all the people to be giving me crap, um, what do you think, Dave? <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, Florida State. Do we think that one gets played? I'm gonna let y'all go first. What is yeah, that Monday? Yeah, I, I, I guess so. I mean, Florida State, it seems like, is going to return to the, the court um, on Saturday against Wake Forest. So Do we know? I mean, have, I have not seen any reports about them practicing again. Are they practicing again? Because I would imagine they want to practice before Friday for a game on Saturday. I mean, I'd assume if they haven't practiced by now, the game would have been canceled already. I would think so, too, but who knows, man. Yeah. I mean, Boston College who was ready to play with four dudes. I mean, you know, anything's possible. Anything's well, I remember possible. on the call the call earlier this week, you know, Gaudio was like, yeah, we're going to come back and practice on Wednesday or whatever it was, and then they canceled their game last night. So yeah. I guess they didn't get back to practice at Louisville. So yeah. I don't, I haven't heard anything about Florida State, but I'm assuming, you know, that game will get played. I don't have any reason to assume it won't at this yeah. point. I would just be guessing. All right. Let's talk about the matchup with Carolina. Um, is Virginia's chance – I'm trying to figure out how I can make this work for a stock up, stock down situation so Ferber won't uh, throw me under the bus here. Um, Virginia's chances of winning. Ken Palm has them um, as, a, as a 44% chance to uh, – excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. That's not actually – that's Virginia Tech. Just kidding. All right, Carolina, Virginia has a he has them as 75% chance to win. 68-61 is what he's got. Ferber, when you when folks read the preview um, tomorrow, um, how confident do you feel about UVA in this game? And do you believe Virginia's the, the, the stock it continues to go up in terms of Virginia having uh, its way with Roy Williams teams? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna pick UVA to win. Um, Spoiler alert. Don't give them don't yeah. give them all the goods. My goodness! Yeah, I gotta at least put part of that behind a paywall. <laughs> My God! Yeah, put the first part. You're behind supposed to. You're supposed to like tease it out. You're supposed to see. be like, well, you know, I really like the matchup. You know, da, 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 da. you know, I'd be like, well, I expect them to win. Thank y'all for coming yeah. out. God bless and good night. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, 
Hey, if you made it to this point in the podcast, that's a that's spoiler. True. 45 minutes in. Um. Anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think this game will be pretty competitive. Uh, the thing, I was looking at North Carolina actually earlier when we were just about to start, and it's funny because you look at their season and you're like, all right, this team doesn't have anything that makes me think they're bad. Like, they don't have a bunch of losses where you're like, oh, that one's just an uh, eyesore. Um, but then you look through their wins and you're like, there's no good wins either. Like there's not, I mean, they beat, you look at like what they've done in the league and it's like, they, they handled a few games in a row and got up to like six and two or whatever they were. And then they, they've sort of treaded water recently. Um, they obviously their game against Miami got canceled. They beat Duke, but that game was close. Um, you know, they've had a few other close calls earlier in ACC play and, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they do against UVA um, UVA's offense. You know, you mentioned it earlier last couple of games. They haven't really been clicking on all cylinders. I think that this is a game where they might be able to get back on track um, against the Carolina team that quite frankly, you know, they're so anxious to get out and run. It, it feels like they don't always have the patience to play in the half court. And I think that might be a good thing for UVA in this game. So I think they get back on track offensively and, and take care of business. And I think that Ken Palm score is, is about right. All right, Dave. Yeah. For me, for me, if the point spread is point, you know, Virginia is a seven or eight point favorite, give the points. This is going to be a curb stomping. Like, I mean, I don't think it's going to be close. Uh, I don't like, I don't like the way Carolina plays when you think about how it, re, you know, how it would, um, how how would Pacline would defend it? Like I, I don't think it's in their favor. Um, I think Virginia's due to have a hot offensive game, like Justin just said. And if you think about guys like Hauser and Murphy, you know, um, guys who transferred to play at UVA, like they had a bunch of good teams on the schedule this year, like you know Michigan State, Florida, like fun teams to play. That all got taken away from them. They ended up with Gonzaga, which is a great team, and. But UNC is like the first big name ACC program these guys get a chance to face. So you know there won't be a motivation issue. Um, so assuming the game happens, I think Virginia wins pretty comfortably. See, I kind of another thing too is we something. don't know if North Carolina is going to do anything for uh, with yeah. the players that were at the party or yeah. whatever last weekend. That's the thing. And I I'm, mean, I'm, they could at least sit a half or something. We don't know. And if they do that, they're going to lose. <laughs> Yeah, I mean Carolina. But they said every player was at the party. They well, that's the thing. Is it like, like that's every player is admitted being there? Yeah, exactly. Is it like you know it was essentially a team party, and it just happened to look like um, it was a it, a couple of dudes out because there were other non-players there. Um, that entire yeah. situation, for the record, I had somebody at me on on Twitter about it and said like how terribly sad it was that 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 the game was getting canceled. And I mean, maybe I'm in the minority here, but. If you, if you are with your teammates and going through all this, so you can play the games, and then you know you choose to do that, like, dang, dude, like, of course the game's gonna get canceled. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just, it's, it's just that one's hard for me to to wrap my mind around. I understand that they're, you know, they're, they're, you know, teenagers and twenty somethings, but I mean, there are plenty of football players who you know, carry that load. There are plenty of other basketball players who carry that load. I don't know, man. I just, and I'm not well, naive also, enough it's not to like think. It's, it, it's not like that was something that they couldn't have seen coming. It's right. happened in other places, right? right? I mean, it's not like, oh, the, no games have ever been canceled for something like this, you know? Yeah. And I'm not and naive you had enough all the to students think. out on the street. Yeah. So it's like, True. you know, there's the issue. I mean, obviously that's out of the team's control. Yeah. But I, like yeah. I said, I'm, I'm not naive enough to think that there aren't other players that are partying and such and such and such. I'm just saying like, I mean, it just was hard to it was hard to wrap my mind around folks who were like thinking like, oh, the problem was that the game got canceled. I'm like, come on, man. Um, but, you know, I mean, I guess we, you know, different minds can have different opinions um, in terms of the matchup. You know, I know Carolina has at least at times flirted with the with the three big lineup of putting Sharp and Baycoat and Brooks on the floor at the same time. One, do we think that's something they'll do against UVA much, if all, if at all? And if so, what does UVA do? to slow those three bigs down. Dave, let's go to you. What's 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 your magic elixir there if they decide to go? I think you'll see it at times because, I mean, I've seen it in most of the games I've watched. So, yeah, I definitely think you'll see it. In a way, I think the way you, you slow them down is to punish them on the other end. Um, you know, I don't know, like, how they can – if those three guys are trying to defend Hauser, Murphy, and, and Huff, then that's going to be a lot of open threes that Virginia's able to generate um, 
So, you know, assuming Virginia can hit those at 40 to 50%, like they, they do when they're shooting open shots, um, you know, overall shots, I would like to go, I need to go, maybe I'll put that on forever. You can go and like chart all the shots, <laughs> see how many, see what they're shooting on open threes. Um, like, I mean, I think that's the way you get around it. And obviously it'll, you know, it'll make it easier for Carolina to kind of pick up some files, um, potentially on, on our, on our front lawn. But yeah, I, I think this iteration of Virginia, I think they're able to take advantage of that just by burning on the offensive end. What do you think Ferber? Yeah. I mean, that was exactly what I was going to say. Actually, like the way that you, you can avoid having that problem is make them change their lineup because you're dragging them away from the basket and hitting threes. Like, you know, and if you're doing that, they can only play those big lineups for so long. And, you know, the other on the on the defensive end, you just do your pack line stuff. I mean, it's designed to sort of do take the, those. You do that hockey. Do the pack line. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a 50s like dance craves, you know, from like the soda fountain or whatever. Do the pack line. Um, well, that's definitely the title now. Yeah, Man, I'm sorry. <laughs> do the basketball. Do the um, yeah, but yeah, exactly. I mean, I think you just clog things up around the basket and make things difficult like always because North Carolina having big lineups against UVA or any opponent in recent years isn't a new phenomenon. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, you think about those teams that had, you know, multiple bigs that would come out and, you know, do the athletic guys that can get out and run the floor and UVA still was able to take them away or make them pay at least, you know, most of the time. So I think you dare them to to try that lineup against this, you know, five out offense that UVA could run and, and see how they deal with it. This is the reason I asked because I was hoping that one of you guys would just would would basically say what you both just said. But here's my thing. All right. I'm maybe I'm wrong about this and it's not gonna be the first time nor the last, but the idea that Tony Bennett would choose the option where his offense has the um the advantage and they're gonna actually make hay out of it, I gotta see that. Because if in most in most scenarios in the past, I, I'm not going to say all scenarios and whatever, but in a lot of scenarios in the past, we would see him start Jack Salt right in a situation where, well, he wants to he 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 believes he needs to do X right, and a lot of it has always been because you know even if he had a matchup, even if he had a positive matchup that was advantageous to him on offense, he would still default to what what's what need what's the defense need. Um, now, I would love to see Carolina roll out there with Leaky Black and uh, Baycoat and Sharp and uh, Brooks and Kessler and just make it just the largest lineup in the history of humanity. But realistically, like if if they do go with the three bigs for any you know significant part of time, I think you're right. Like that's probably the one that's probably the only option he has because he doesn't have bigs that he what's he going to do? Um, you know, he's going to play Huff, Poppy and Shedrick together like. I don't. One interesting thing is that Kafaro had a really big game. He did, last and year. that's the thing. I do think you're going to see because I don't think there's a chance that 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 Carolina is going to want to play small. The only thing that would make sense though is if you're Carolina is you know if you want to try to slow down UVA's offense and you think like hey you're going to have to you know they're going to stretch you out, but then you give up your advantage, which has to be your advantage on the offensive glass. I mean, Dayron Sharp is one of the best offensive rebounders in the country, and he's like 17, 18 years old. Like he's already grown. You know what I mean? Um, I I feel like if you're Carolina, you're you're kind of stuck between you know two you know it's not kind of a Faustian choice, right? In, in order to really to really try to slow UVA down, you got to be somebody you're not, and I feel like they're just gonna have to be who they are and take their chances. Um, all right, so if they play the game and they get out of the game, win lose whatever. Next on the obviously the 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 schedule is is Florida State on Monday night. Um. Florida State's an interesting animal to me because I honestly I don't know who they are right now, probably because they haven't played in you know two weeks. Yeah, you'll have to go back in the history books because it's been like it's been a while since they played. Um, Scotty Barnes was a guy I really thought you know would be in that conversation for ACC Rookie of the Year. Um, he's only played what, um, and I don't want to say he's played in. Um, he, he's definitely missed some games. I'm not, I'm not looking at it right now, but he's he's a guy who. Because he's multifaceted, he's the guy that I would have the the biggest issue with if I'm UVA in terms of matchups. What do you do with Scotty Barnes? Do you because he's he's going to be on the ball a lot, um, so you need somebody who can slide their feet. I mean, I guess it's got to be Trey Murphy. Um, you're not going to put Kihei on him. Um, maybe you put 
um, Beekman on him, but I mean, that's still giving up some size. What do we think of Florida State and how realistic? Um, what's Ken Palm got that one at? It's got, I think it's a um, a close uh, a close loss for UVA. Like it's like fifty fifty, some sixty seven sixty six. It says now. What do we think of the matchup of Florida State? Dave, let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it depends on what they look like coming out of this break, right? I mean, um, but you know, let's assume they're at their best that we've seen this year. Like to me, like what Florida State is, it's a better version of kind of that Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh, Virginia Tech team. You know, they've got they kind of all play similar, um, all kind of players who play multiple positions. You know, kind of I don't want to say positionless basketball because they both have some smaller guys, but um, Florida State kind of does that similar things with better dudes. Um, so, I mean, if there's one game on the schedule that's most concerning to me going forward, it's Florida State just because I, I think they create a lot of matchup problems for Virginia just with their physicality, their athleticism. Um, not as good as, you know, last year's version of their team, but still very good. Uh, a team that can put pressure on Virginia on the on the defensive end. Um, and, you know, it, it's a team where – I thought I'd ever see this, but, like, it would be really nice to have Statman and Shedrick healthy. Like going against a, a team yeah, like was, Florida State because yeah. I think Virginia is going to have to maximize their effort that game. And, you know, Florida State, you know, assuming they're ready to roll, it's going to be a challenge. So, I mean, I, don't, I mean, I feel confident about the game because it's Virginia and they don't lose that often. So, you know, like, like we said in our text there, maybe we should stop, you know, maybe stop and realize that more often. Um, but yeah, it's a, it, it, Florida State's a good a good team who, who does things that, you know, Virginia's struggled dealing with because they got a lot of guys who can go create their own shot and we'll, we'll say Ferber's thoughts for the preview I don't want to spoil that one too days and days in advance because who knows what he'll say if I if I let him um last thing so ACC tournament should UVA play in it yes or no um feel free to uh, explain your answer um because I personally never never in a million years thought I would say this I, I'm on the fence in a way that I just did not expect. Ferber, do you think UVA should play in the ACC tournament? Um, I think if they, you know, if everybody else plays, yes. Um, they shouldn't. I can, they shouldn't be certain, the one flying the ointment. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I I just don't see that happening. Um, at this point, the way I look at it, and if you had told twenty fourteen me that this would be the case, I would have been like, no chance. Um. I don't know how much it really for what UVA has accomplished in the last decade. Um, I think everybody would appreciate winning it again. And it's certainly not a, you know, it's a noteworthy achievement, but at the end of the day this year, I think if, if they decided not to do it or some teams decided not to do it, it's like UVA has won it twice in the last seven years. It's not like we don't know what it's like. Um, so I think, you know, and if, especially if you win the regular season title, I think you could feel pretty good about skipping it. You know, there's not a whole lot to be gained, but it depends on how they set it up. There might not be a whole lot to be lost either. Um, obviously, you don't want to risk getting, you know, COVID exposure, but um, that comes down to the league's protocols and how they set everything up and all that. So um whether you, I mean, if if your if your point is like maybe they could get more rest going into the NCAA's, that's definitely true. Um, I've never heard of a team in recent years sort of like you would think that it, I guess with basketball the rosters just aren't big enough, but like a team sort of like not taking a conference tournament seriously and like just playing guys that don't play a lot um, because they're just getting ready tanking, for the NCAA's. You mean, like but tanking the yeah, I mean, not like trying to lose, but basically saying like we don't really care if we win or not. Yeah. Um, I don't remember an instance of that happening. Um, I think UVA would play it. I just the way that they're wired, I don't think that they would skip it unless like a bunch of teams skip it. But um, this year is certainly like la- like at the end of last year, sort of an outlier that you know it doesn't fit with normal patterns. So like if yeah. they if something outside of the norm happened, I mean, this would be sort of the time for that to to take place i guess yeah the reason i asked the question day before you 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 chime in um the reason i asked the question is because one for full disclosure i don't believe uva is going to skip the acc tournament so you know everybody put down your pitchforks um but i think it is an interesting question you know think back to 2019 and the championship run right used to be the uva 
you know, we either get, you know, get all the way in the ACC championship game or, you know, whatever, Winton thing. And then, you know, the year before, for example, right? Um, a, a lot of folks after the 2019 ACC tournament were like, oh, um, you know, it, that's not a bad thing that they lost because now, you know, they can, you know, go deeper in the tournament. I'm not sure if there's actually a, you know, correlation there. Um, but it, I just was thinking about, you know, and I, this is something that's been floating out there because of the timing of it all. Do you want to risk going to the ACC tournament and, and putting yourself in a position where you, you have to, you know, miss the NCAAs because you were dealing with a um, positive test or something like that? It does feel like, Dave, that limiting exposure is, a, is at least a conversation worth having. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure what the protocols will be as to, to Ferber's point, but what do you, what do you think? Do you, do you think UVA should play in the ACC tournament? I'm going to guess that you're going to say yes. Yeah, I mean, I do. Um, like, I've gone for a while. I went back and forth on it because I think there is some some validity in hey, let's keep our guys isolated for the week, make sure we're good for you know the NCAA tournament. But you know, there's also the chance that you get to Indianapolis and they have an outbreak and none of the tournament gets played. Right? Um, that's certainly within the realm of possibility, and especially with that many guys in in one town um, and the variants floating around. So, to me, if there's an ACC tournament you play it um it's not like you can practice like you normally do so if anything like I, I don't think you need to worry about tiredness like the guys aren't practicing like they normally do during a normal season like the practices yeah. are different right i would be fascinated so, real quick to, to to know about the catapult numbers and what they say about the load that they're carrying now versus like you know comparisons like in a year you know, when we get ready to talk about preseason next year and I'll, I'll be able to, you know, go back and do that preseason series I've done in the past where I talk to the assistants. I, I want to talk to Mike Curtis and talk about the, the load and like, what was it like in comparison? Cause I can't imagine it's anywhere close, you know, compared to what they have been in the past. And you yeah, played and so it, many fewer games. Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. exactly. Like the miles on these guys tires are significant. I mean, it's like everybody else's right. Everybody's been sitting at home. Right. Like, and not, um, don't forget, like, the two weeks they were set, you know? Yeah, that's nothing. true. So, yeah. the, the tires are fine, but everybody's got spare yeah. tires. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I mean, I think you can look on the court and you see this team is not as, you know, not as physically imposing as a standard, tone, you know, Virginia team with Mike Curtis and Tony Bennett. Um, they didn't have the weight room this all season. They didn't have it leading into the year um, other than on their own. So. Like, yeah, I mean, I think if anything, you play the ACC tournament because it's a chance to play more games. Um, might as well go win that thing, you know, especially if they're having it. You know, I don't think Virginia losing to Florida State in 2019 is a reason they won one at all. So just yeah. go play. Um, <laughs> I'm actually kind of mad that you made that point because actually what I was kind of setting up was to then come after the end and say, like, listen, the, the NCAA tournament could absolutely just vanish again for different reasons. But, you know, Similar, obviously, right? So last year was that like, oh, there's so much uncertainty and nowhere to protect anybody. Now you know what you're supposed to do, but if there's an outbreak, I mean, are they going to put the thing on hold? Like, what would they do? Um, so maybe you go to the ACC tournament thinking like, hey, this is the postseason. We got to handle this. We got to treat this as if it is the only games we're going to get to play. And you know, I think once you you get into that scenario, you're right. Like they're going to go. They're wired that way. But I think also too, there's a big picture of like, this could be it. You know, like. Um, they're also here's a hypothetical for you. What if the NCAA, because of some issues, I, again, this is a hypothetical. Um, they decide like we're going to limit the field to fewer teams and we're going to take automatic bids. Yeah, you, you need right. to win your conference tournament to be the automatic bid <laughs> if, if there is one. So, I mean, that could be a factor. I mean, I'm not planning on that to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. No, but, but you, that, know. you know, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, last year, heck, the ACC gave the the right, the ACC tournament, quote unquote, championship, what have you, to the ACC regular <laughs> season champ. State. You know, like yeah. UVA was like yeah, one it, upset away from, you know, actually winning the thing. That's wild. Yeah. yeah I mean, and if your argument for not playing is keeping your players, like, you know, healthy, I don't know that it's easier to do that on campus yeah, than it is to be too. in Greensboro and have the guys in a hotel where you can actually control every minute <laughs> where you can lock some doors and it's <laughs> you can you know you can't really do that at on campus like you're not allowed to lock them in a dorm for the yeah, week so true that um, yeah and it's Greensboro 
that's true. And it does give you like a little bit of a simulated environment for what back to back games will be like and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, that's you know, that's a really good yeah. point for because they they I mean aside from these, you know, these Saturday Monday deals, right? Which to this point in the season, let's see. UVA's had one between Georgia Tech and Syracuse. They had and then this one this week. And weekend. then this one. And then they'll have one. No, they won't. That'll be the last one. That's it. Yeah, they have a Monday game, but they have that weekend off. Yeah, they before. have. Yeah. So, I mean, this is it. So, I mean, like, realistically, unless there's some, some reschedules we're not aware of yet, um, you know, that does a good job of simulating it. Um, and yeah. not just that, but also doing it all in a neutral site where yeah. you're, like, in hotels and practicing in random places and just get, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, true that. All right, I think that's a good place to put a pin in it. Um, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. If you have not checked out the website yet, give us a look, catscorner.com. Right now, you can check out Ferber's aforementioned power rankings. Um, I did a, a, another in the season review uh, move to the defense uh, on the football side, looking at the defensive line. So you can check that out. I did a feature the other day on uh, Thomas Walter Tensign coming off the bench and sort of his mindset. And then you can also check out our weekend wrap from earlier in the week. Um, if you are uh, listening to this uh, on the site, uh, feel free to download an app subscribe that way the the podcast finds you you don't have to find it um if you are so inclined you can look us up apple podcast stitcher spotify overcast wherever it is that you want to get your programs so again i want to thank everybody out there for their support i want to thank dave and ferber for being gracious slave of their time as always i very much appreciate all that they do so for uh david spence and justin ferber i'm brad franklin publisher of cavscorner.com thanks for coming out we'll see you soon There's something in-